This is a conspiracy channel. Tape 3. Welcome to the Hush Channel. The story in this tape may sound eerily familiar to you. Enjoy. After around 1,200 years had passed, the number of humans on Earth had increased dramatically and there were many of them. Some translations say that after 36,000 years had passed, when Enlil began growing frustrated with the number of humans. I do want to note that the Sumerian Kings list shows 8 pre-flood kings who reigned for an overall total of about 470,400 years. So we are talking humans living longer than what was even estimated in the Bible. Where the oldest man to live in the Bible was Methuselah, who died at 969 years old. People were instead living tens of thousands of years. And Lil was getting a little annoyed with the noise that humans were making and commented that the land bellowed like a bow, which was upsetting him. This noise refers to Enlil being annoyed with human activity overall at that point after their evolution. With free will, humans were able to acknowledge Enlil had a character that did not sit well with them. And so humans favored the Anunnaki who were more personable towards them, the way that Enki was. Of course, this too did not sit well with Enlil at all. In addition to the racket, some of the Anuna and the Gigi were taking the genetically compatible female humans as their wives and having children with them. This was beyond disgusting to Enlil because of how he viewed humans. It would be akin to us now watching someone have sex with a horse or dog and instead of other onlookers being disgusted, they all start to run to join in with sexing animals. This resulted in hybrids or what is religiously called demigods. Not only that, but in the book of Giants, we learned that the fallen angels actually started mating with the animals and creatures of the earth, resorting in creatures like dinosaurs, fawns, minotaurs, sphinxes, giants, ogres, fairies, chimeras, sea monsters, and so forth. And these same creatures would turn around and mate with each other and with humans and a Gigi and the Anuna and the cycle will repeat, creating variations and variations of them. And in the midst of all of this, these creatures did not always get along with each other and some even preyed on humans. The giants were humongous beyond what we probably think of. The book of Enoch states that on average, men were 90 feet tall. Yet the offspring of the fallen and humans were considered giants to 90 foot tall humans. That means that giants stood over 90 foot tall and that is likely why there's a lot of cave systems all over the world that show signs of humans once inhabiting them because it was probably a last resort as a place to hide from these huge beings. That is one aspect of the situation however because Enoch was biased and while he provides a description of pre-flood life unlike anywhere else we could find he was on the side of Enlil. His perspective of the mixed breed children of the Anunnaki, the Ajiji, and humans were one-sided. Other evidence seems to portray a harmonious union between the different species with there mainly being issues between those who were in favor of pure bloodlines and those who were okay with mixing bloodlines. This is more believable as it is a typical situation that would happen. Intermixing between two groups, aliens or not, has caused these types of schisms and problems in human history. We have witnessed this much. It is not incomprehensible. It is akin to people hating mixed race children. And because mixed race children have been torn between identities and sometimes not accepted by one of the races that they are a part of, they end up picking sides and hating that race that denied them acceptance. But even within this, there are people who frown on interracial couples 
rules and thus frown on interracial children. The whole thing is chaotic in and of itself and has many sides and perspectives to it. This is what seemed to happen between the Anuna who stood by Enlil and believed in keeping the Anuna lineage pure as opposed to the Anuna and the Ajiji who interbred and created half-breed offspring with humans. So it seems some of the mixed-breed kids, these demigods, did have issues with humans but they had problems with humans who were opposed to their existence and creating problems for them, their family, and their kind. I highly doubt that these children were literally killing their own mothers unless it occurred where their mothers died during childbirth because of the nature of some of the hybrids. And perhaps there were some hybrids who were prejudiced against humans because of the negative experiences from certain humans who were opposed to the nature of how they came to exist. Enoch does say that men feared the fallen angels taking their women. So I imagine they feared the same thing about some of the hybrids who were more humanoid. Not only that, but it is theorized that the Anuna were not having sex with animals in the way that we think they were. That they were, or at least some of them, mixing their DNA with animal source DNA and creating new hybrid species. Not specifically shape-shifting just to insert their penis into an animal. It is also said that they were doing this with plants as well. However, it could have gone whichever which way and two things can't be true at the same time. Meaning, some probably did shape-shift to mate with animals while others used animal source DNA and paired it with their own. As you can imagine Enlil had lost his leverage over humans and with this his anger grew. An angry Enlil is not an ideal situation. Thank King Joffrey from Game of Thrones. Enlil was completely disgusted and saw it as an abomination and poisoning of the Anuna and Ajiji gene pool. And once the Ajiji saw that they were genetically compatible with mankind without the need of a birth goddess, the Ajiji felt more independent and less reliant on the Anunnaki control system. Enlil formed a council and addressed the other gods and expressed his aggravation with the entirety of the situation and then ordered for his son Namtar to introduce a deadly disease utilizing flying insects in order to sicken to weaken and to kill the humans off so that the population can dramatically decrease population control the plagues that Enlil sent are akin to the black plague Ebola and C-19 outbreaks when reading the actual tablet's description of them remember Enlil is the prince and the lord of the air so these diseases Jesus were also airborne and Enlil is the lord of agriculture and the creator of animals so these diseases were spread via air food and animals as well but it does not stop there Enlil actually goes on to continually send a plague every 1200 years to slowly depopulate the human population during each 1200 year period Enlil would also cause regional flooding around the world alongside other natural disasters to maximize the damage sounds familiar amongst the humans there was one called Atrahasis, who was the king of Sharapuk. Sharapuk is modern-day Tel Farah in Iraq. Atrahasis was not only extremely intelligent and wise, but also had a very close friendship with his god, Enki. The two would always spend time walking and talking together. Enki enjoyed his company. In the Akkadian epic of the story, Atrahasis' name is Yupnaptashim. In the Babylonian epic of the story, Atrahasis' name is Ziasudra. And Ziasudra is actually listed as the last king before the Great Deluge, or the Flood. And this is listed on the Sumerian King's List tablet. In modern day, Atrahasis is called Noah. Atrahasis, Ziasudra, Utapashim, and Noah are all the same individuals. King Atrahasis ruled for 36,000 years. Humans had such long lives in these days that when you add wisdom and the ability to reproduce without Anunnaki aid to the equation, humans definitely posed as a potential major threat to the higher Anunnaki gods, especially Enlil. 
and this problem needed to be controlled before it got out of hand. During the plague introduced by Enlil, King Atrahasis approached Enki and asked Enki how long would the gods make humans suffer with disease. Atrahasis feared that it would continue on forever. Enki pondered over the question and answered his servant and his friend saying that what Atrahasis needed to do was to instruct the elders and senior men to meet Atrahasis at his home and have an official meeting about the problem. Enki continued on by telling Atrahasis that as a group you need to stand strong and forcefully make a noise about the situation all over the land. Stop worshipping the gods and respecting them. Do not pray to your goddesses. However, search for the home of Enlil's son, Namtar, who is the creator of the disease, and take Namtar gifts of baked loaves and tasty food offerings. The offering of the gifts and presents would make Namtar feel ashamed for what he has done and would hopefully make him stop sickening and killing the people. So Atrahasis did what Enki had suggested and gathered the elders and senior men to his home and told them of Enki's plan. The elders listened to the strategy and did exactly what Enki had suggested. In addition to this, they also built a temple in the city dedicated to Namtar. As discussed in their meeting, they then spread the word of dissatisfaction and distrust of the gods amongst the people. According to the plan, all the gods, except Namtar, were ignored with no respect expressed. The people stopped visiting the goddesses' temples with food and offerings and also stopped praying or requesting anything from them. They did, however, proceed to leave offerings for Namtar at his home and he was the only god that was respected and treated well. Namtar was ashamed and embarrassed by all the offerings as he was the only god being noticed by the people. It did not take long before Namtar decided that enough was enough and stopped the spreading of the disease. With that, the people recovered and the gods were again respected and treated well with the people's offerings. Enki and Atrahasis were obviously aware of what Enlil was doing through his son Namtar. The fact that Enki or Atrahasis had not done anything until that time indicates that Enlil had full control. It can be assumed that the human deaths had not hit a biblical proportion at that stage. Also, also Enki was either scared of going against his brother or he was not concerned or planning to do anything about it until Atrahasis asked him for help personally. Everything was fine for a while, though once again, after another 1,200 years or so had passed, the amount of people had increased again to even more than the last time. The city and surrounding lands were again noisy and crowded and once again, it came to the point where Enlil started complaining about how the racket was disturbing him. He was saying how it was getting ridiculous that there are even more of them than the last time and he can't sleep. He keeps being woken up due to their noise. And so Enlil took his grievances to the council of gods while they were in meeting. And Enlil continued on saying that he would cut off the food supplies of the people and let there be a shortage of edible vegetation. Then ordered the god Adad, who was in charge of the rains, to stop the rains so that the plants died and the food didn't grow. He also ordered Adad to make the sun and wind scorch the lands and the clouds to gather so that it doesn't rain and there's shade all over the area. In addition to that, access to water from the streams and dams was blocked and cut off. Adad did all of this as ordered and slowly a drought took hold of the land. After a few years, having depleted all the food storages, the famine hit the land and the people were starving and in pain. The whole situation was horrible, with some of the people resorting to cannibalism to survive. Atrahasis, king and ruler of the people again, needed help from his lord, Enki. This time, however, Enki had been forbidden by oath to speak to Atrahasis by Enlil and the council of the other Anunnaki gods. In addition to this, Enki was also far away deep in the underworld of the Abzu. Knowing this and that there was no way he could contact his lord, King Atrahasis walked out of the city each day and wept. 
but still brought offerings to the gods with the hope that they may change their decision and end the famine. At the time, Atrahasis thought of a method to contact Enki and attempted to communicate with Enki through his dreams. In a lot of texts, dreams are instead phrased as visions. Atrahasis positioned his bed near the river's edge and through a dream, Atrahasis was able to approach Enki and began pleading for his lord's help with the terrible situation. In the dream state, Atrahasis asked Lord Enki why Adad was doing what he was doing and why again are the gods making people suffer. All the people were starving and dying and some people were even eating each other and nobody felt safe. It just wasn't a happy place to be on earth. Through his dream, Enki listened to what Atrahasis had communicated and was horrified. As he was not able to contact his trusty servant in person due to his oath, Enki instructed a couple of hairy hero men of the Abzu to contact Atrahasis directly and relay his return message. I do want to note that Enki's subordinates are what we would probably call demons now, as sometimes demons are defined as the hairy ones, and this is why. To further this, the original Hebrew Bibles used the word sair, which is another term for the hairy ones, or a goat, or a devil. And here the term sair is the term used in the Bible whenever a goat, especially of sacrificial nature, is mentioned. Enki is, after all, symbolized by not only the fish, the shamira, the merman, but also the goat fish hybrid and the goat itself smash all them together and you get the sea goat that poses as the capricorn symbol or you get a dragon he is a reptilian after all so these hairy ones in mesopotamian narratives are not demonized they are simply the subordinates of enki and these hairy ones are the beings that enki instructed to contact king atrahasis directly after hearing atrahasis's cries for help like before enki suggested the same method be used as when naptar had sent the plagues all over the land and made the people sick with disease so once again, the elders were gathered in Atrahasis' home, and again the same plan was deployed. The elders of the lands organized the erection of a temple to Adad in the city, and again the people stopped respecting their gods, as well as ceased to make offerings to pray to their gods. Adad was the only god to be treated with respect by the people, and they made him food offerings of baked breads and other flour-based foods from the very little that they had. The people also made a concerted effort to be quiet in the city, and the chaotic noise that in love was constantly complaining about subsided. The plan worked. Adad felt extremely ashamed and sorry with what he had been doing and then one morning he arranged for the rains to return. To also help speed up the healing of the people, Enki had organized for the hairy hero men to collapse one of the gods food storage dams, letting a flood of fish wash over the city and feed the people. Over time, vegetation grew again. The fields were in abundance with crops and the famine had left the people. When Enlil heard of this, he was furious and immediately called a meeting of the gods. Annoyed, insulted, and upset, he addressed the assembly, saying, We, the great Anunnaki gods, all agreed together with the plan. Our father, Anu and Adad, were to be in charge and the guardians of the skies from heaven and the upper regions, while I was to be in charge and guard the earth below. Enki was meant to be in charge of the waters and the happenings in the lower lands of the Abzu and also exercise balance in our council. However, he's not only been the creator of mankind, but he's also taught and educated these humans, teaching them our secrets of the heavens. In doing so, he has corrupted mankind. 
still fuming and Lil turned to New School, his high official and commander, that he go fetch Enki and bring him right away. Enki was summoned and made to wait in the assembly room with the other gods. Enki said they worried about what his brother and Lil was about to say. What eventually happened was another oath was to be made. Due to this oath made, even Enki was subjected to being sentenced to death for breaking his oath. The oaths that the gods took were extremely binding and Lil again addressed the assembly of the gods including his brother Enki this time saying we the Anunnaki gods had agreed to our positions our father King Anu and Adad were to guard the heavens I was to be in charge of the lands and you Enki were supposed to bring balance to council and control the waters and the lower lands instead you Enki have overstepped your boundaries brother and defied my orders and given wisdom and knowledge to the people you have also shamed the gods and made them defy my commands by teaching man to disrespect the gods and their positions and Lil again seemed to be very concerned with Enki educating the humans and the wisdom that they seemed to be acquiring. And Lil then continues to say that Enki was teaching the humans to disrespect their gods and their positions. My assumption here is that due to the longevity of the humans and with the educational process in place, the disrespecting of the gods was already happening as the humans started realizing what the gods really were. Entities whose status and abilities were attainable through the correct means. There is no doubt that the educated humans slowly started to see through their gods' control and methods and motives and see the gods were not perfect, all-powerful, all-knowing beings, but rather they were just beings of a higher-calibered species that were way more advanced because their species was much older than humans. But they were not perfect. They were not pure, unflawed, impenetrable, invincible, and they too had personalities, weaknesses, scrimps, likes, dislikes, motives. They too were able to get hungry, and so on. And Lil did not like humans realizing all of this, of course. So Lil continued further saying, Enki, you caused Namtar to ignore my command and stop his diseases, allowing mankind to return to health. In addition to this, you were then the cause for Adad to stop the rains, and the famine I arranged was ended. However, not only did you stop the drought, but you also arranged for a flood of fish to feed the people from Anunnaki stocks. You took it upon yourself to go against the will of the gods. The humans that you created were due to the death of an Anunnaki god. You participated in the slaughter of him, and the end of his intelligence. Due to this and as punishment, I will now command you to participate with the destruction of this human creation. You Enki, have been supporting the wrong plan and will use your knowledge and control of the dicked waters and mooring poles to flood and destroy mankind from the land. In front of the Anunnaki gods you will swear to do this. Annoyed, Enki abruptly stood up and raised his voice responding to Enlil's vicious command. Facing the assembly, Enki aggressively answered, Yes, it was me who defied you all and decided to preserve life. Punish me as you will, but I have made a conscious decision and have vented my feelings to you. Where is the logic of killing everything that lives? Yes, it was me who saved mankind, and I did it to save not only them, but also for your sakes. The assembly listened to Enki and agreed that Enki should not have to be directly responsible for the flooding and the killing of the humans. They did, however, decide that even though the flood was not to be done by Enki's hand, that Enki should still be sworn by oath not to repeat the plan to a living soul. The assembly then agreed to Enlil's evil deed of the annihilation of mankind. I do want to note that Ninurta is considered to be the Sumerian and Akkadian deity of war, agriculture, and the south wind. Ninurta is Enlil's son, but Ninurta is also a another name for Nimrod, yes biblical Nimrod, and Nimrod is also another name for Gilgamesh such as the Epic of Gilgamesh which is the world's oldest found 
story. And also where the Sand Flood story was originally pitted using the flood hero Utnaptishim. Nimrod biblically is the son of Cush. Cush is the first son of Ham and Ham is the middle son of the biblical flood hero Noah. The problem is that the Bible makes it as if Nimrod was not born until after the flood. And also here Nimrod is the son of Enlil and not Cush. In my theory two things were true. As most people are familiar with Enlil when his name is Zeus in ancient Greece I will use that story to explain. Zeus was known to possess the lovers of human women, have sex with these women, and birth demigods, and also do the same thing to other female gods. Zeus was a hypocritical god of gods, and Lil was known to trick Key in several ways as well to coerce her into having sex rather by never-ending courting, shape-shifting, and even rape in some epics. The wife of Cush was said to be Semiramis. Semiramis is another name for the birth goddess Key. So it is possible that Enlil tricked Key once again into having sex with him by possessing Cush's body and from this affair came Nimrod, thus making Nimrod both the son of Enlil and Cush. To add fuel to the fire, when you deep dive into Cam's lineage, is lined with the Anunnaki, demigod, and demonic ancestry as Cam himself is believed to be the Anunnaki entity ap Zoo. Even in rabbinic Hebrew scripture, Cam is the demon Shamdan, and in the Bible he is Ashima, the king of demons and the god of the Hamathites, which is obviously the lineage of Ham, as the Bible calls Cam, Ham. This is why when Ham's lineage is mentioned in the Bible, there's always a negative connotation, and Ham's lineage is always called giants or pagans. Just look at the name of the 36 different tribes of giants in the Bible, then compare it to the names of the different lineages that stem from Ham. These giants are named after Ham's lineages of sons and grandchildren. There is a reason that the Old Testament appeals to Shem's lineage and the New Testament focuses on Yaphus Gentile lineage. But there is no section dedicated to Ham's lineage. Despite the fact that Nimrod and his father Ham spearheaded the first cities, the first civilizations after the flood known today as the cradles of civilization. And despite the fact that Nimrod was the first king of kings after the flood who subjected Yaphus and Shem's lineages while placing his own lineage, the lineage of Ham, as the royals of both Mesopotamia and Egypt, the Indus River Valley, the Yellow River which became China, and the land of Canaan. And Canaan is also another son of Ham, so of course. But all these lands are horizontal to one another and are known as the different cradles of civilization after the flood. All these lands are also river valley civilizations. These lands were settled after Ham, then Nimrod built up Mesopotamia and had sex of the Chemites, which is the lineage of Cam, branched off to establish their own kingdoms. This should be a very important part of the Bible. But instead, the Bible, like any book, has a target audience, a point of view, and a reason for being written. And since it was dedicated specifically to Shem's lineage, Nimrod only gets about two verses to sum up his great quest and influence in the beginning of mankind after the flood. And while us black people are from the lineages of both Shem and Ham predominantly, Ham is the only one that the so-called elites will recognize as our progenitor. But this makes it convenient for Ham and Nimrod's prowess to be left out of the canonical Bible, while the negatives are left in. The Book of Giants also notes Nimrod as existing prior to the flood as Gilgamesh, and in the Book of Giants, the Giants actually ask Nimrod to help them from being destroyed by the flood. If you are wondering which is correct, was Nimrod born after the flood, as to be assumed from the Bible or before the flood, which all other texts basically, especially non-canonical scripture and external literature, which is thousands of years 
years older than the flood and etched in stone states? I'd say go with the older text that served as the actual blueprint for your religion. Nimrod was born before the great flood. Now Atrahasis saw his master Enki hunting for him day and night and Enki as Enki had been forced to swear an oath of silence, he could not speak to any person of the pending catastrophe. So Enki refused to answer Atrahasis and deliberately avoided him. Instead of addressing Atrahasis directly, Enki decided to approach him in a dream instructing Atrahasis to wait outside his bedroom at his temple and he would reveal the troubled consequences that were planned. Peering out of his bedroom window, Enki then waited and watched Atrahasis arrive. When he was sure Atrahasis was waiting outside on the other side of his bedroom wall, Enki died directly addressed the wall from the inside. With a loud and stern voice, Enki instructed, Read wall, pay attention to all the words I say. Confused, Atrahasis placed his ear next to the reed wall and in a loud voice responded and asked, Lord Enki, what is the meaning of the dream and how will I overcome the consequences planned? Enki, now knowing that his faithful servant and friend was on the other side of the reed wall, then continued on to speak, saying, Reed wall, I have been forbidden by oath to speak to a living soul and will continue to speak to you while I'm in my bedroom. Reed wall, you need to listen and pay attention to all of my words and take note. Addressing the reed wall and not a technical living soul was Enki's way of keeping his oath. Enki's future plan argument, if needed, was probably that it was not his fault that someone happened to be on the other side of the wall while he was addressing it. The swearing by oath not to tell anyone or a living soul was Enki's way of yet again defying his brother in low. This part of the ancient text is thought to be one of the biggest jokes ever in these sad circumstances, but was the sole reason that the total annihilation of mankind was prevented. Enki continued speaking to the reed wall with Atrahasis on the other side of it saying, Flee your house and dismantle it to build a sealed boat of considerable size. You need to forego all worldly possessions and flee for your life. The boat that you build needs to be roofed and the roof sealed to not let in a single bit of light from the sun. The boat also needs to be strong and sturdy and covered in bitumen tar to seal it from water coming in from all directions. I will shower on the boat at a later date with stocks of birds and fish. Enki opened up a water clock and while filling it continued speaking in a raised voice to the reed wall explaining that a seven day flood was about to happen and that the water clock should be observed. Understanding Enki's warning, Atrahasis sped off and gathered the elders of Sharapak to his home. Speaking clearly, Atrahasis addressed the elders, saying, My god Enki does not agree with your god in Lil, the two of them are constantly bickering and angry with each other. Since I have always supported Enki, I have now been told by Enlil to leave his city, and move down to the Abzu and live in Enki's land, and never set foot in Enlil's lands again. Here is Atrahasis telling the elders of Sharapak that because he worships Enki, Enlil is casting him out of Sharapak, and that he now has to go live in Enki's land in the Abzu, and never set foot in Sharapak again. This means Enki has to leave modern day Iraq and go to central South Africa, which is Enki's land. He is lying to his people however. This is his way of having a ship built fast enough to beat the great flood Enki told him of. End of tape 3